0: It is 1234 in Edmonton. Welcome back everybody. Bob Stauffer with you in Oilers Now, where guests receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Tonight they got the uh, 99 on 99 event taking place at Roos Chris, which involves uh, wine and spirit tasting. That'd be a kicker of an event. Uh, Roos, Chris, follow the steak and sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers Now sent you. Each Thursday, it's a heavy-hitting show here in Oilers Now. we go Louis DeBrusque and Brian Burke. Wouldn't want to fight either of them out in the barn. Well, maybe Louis. Hi, Louis. How you doing? <laughs> What's
1: going on today, Bob? How are you?
0: Oh, not bad. Uh, not bad. The ever-changing, shifting... Um scenario involving the Oilers' uh, manager hunt has uh, continued, obviously, with the fact that Kelly McCriblin, uh, uh gets promoted by the, the Vegas Golden Knights. And it, not a surprise, Louis. I know there were whispers around the league that, look, Seattle was in, uh, certainly his name was mentioned for Seattle. We all know he would have been a candidate at Edmonton for sure. And uh, he brought a lot of people with him into Vegas. So he's going to see that process through.
1: Good people are hard to find, and obviously he was on the top of a lot of lists, and he was also on the top of George McPhee's list, so they they make an adjustment. He moves up, and McCrimmon steps in as a general manager, so I think that's just an organization saying, listen, we've got a good guy here. Why would we want to lose him to somebody else? And they they stepped up, and he becomes a general manager. I think it's a good call on their part. He's done a great job there, and they've groomed him from a general manager now into a manager, so a situation where I, I understand it and just has to be accepted now that the hunt is still on to try and find the next round manager of the Evans and Oilers and there's still candidates out there that they're going to continue to interview and find the right guy to step in and and do the job.
0: How much do you know about Mark Hunter?
1: I don't know a lot about him I know he's done a great job in junior obviously with the organization but the Toronto Maple Leafs when he stepped in there he was instrumental in in developing and, and drafting a lot of the players, or had a thing in drafting the players that are now on their roster right now and that have made them a real solid team. So he comes highly considered as someone that, uh, you know, as far as the new game is concerned, has a great eye for talent, yeah. is, is, is great in, in developing players, and and I think that's going to be really important in the next general manager, the Evansville others. So I can understand why his name's been thrown out there and why he's a, a, a certainly a high candidate to be the next general manager because, of those qualities that he brings and again we'll see how this uh plays out but no question he would certainly be behind the list
0: yeah uh mitch marner was one of the big gets for uh mark hunter and if we go back to that 2015 draft louie and that was a draft you know you you had a vested interest because jake went in the first round of that draft keith gretzky took him uh with the boston Bruins. but you know i think there's some people surprised that noah hannafin didn't go for there and if you, with all due respect to Hannafin, who's going to be a really good defenseman now with Calgary, Mitch Marner is going to be a, a, a nine
1: to ten million dollar player here moving forward for the Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah, he's an elite player. You know, it's amazing how cerebral of a player he is, but he's a competitor as well. And um, yeah, you know, that was a good pick by them, and that you know, it stands to show he, he knew the player well, obviously from the London background and. Um, he's one of those guys that came right in and had an impact immediately when he stepped into the National Hockey League. He's a skilled player, not the biggest player, but that seems to be the trend now in the National Hockey League. It's about skill, it's about speed, it's about the way you process the game. If you're bigger and can do all three of those things, then great. But if you're not, that doesn't matter. You can play in the National Hockey League if you're a high-end player in that regard. So, um, yeah, good player. I mean, there's nothing I can really say negative about Mitch Marner. You watch him play, and they call him the magician for a reason.
0: Louie, um, you know, there are some people that are texting the show in our Heartland Ford text line. See, Holland doesn't want to come to Edmonton. See, McCrimmon doesn't want to come to Edmonton. And, and I'm sort of going, Ken Holland's worked for the Illich family for 37 years. <laughs> uh, Kelly yeah, McC- I mean, helps start Vegas. Like, there is something to be
1: said for loyalty in this business, isn't there? There's a lot to be said about it. And I think in in this in this situation with these two two gentlemen you're talking about, yes, especially Kenny Holland has been with that organization for almost four decades. He's done some tremendous things there, and you know he's the one that also groomed Steve Eiserman. When Steve Eiserman retired, he stepped into the front office in Detroit under Kenny Holland, and he learned from him. Then he went off and and did a great job in Tampa Bay building that team, and now is back with the organization that he spent so many years as a player and management. Um, same thing with Kelly McCrimmon. I think that. You know, that was his opportunity to step in a, in, a, in a franchise an expansion situation. He did a tremendous job to build that team, to scout, to bring in the right type of players, to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final in year number one, make the playoffs the second year. I don't see why he would want to leave that situation. I mean, it would it would have taken an amazing offer for him to to leave that situation but he obviously got a great offer from the organization that you said showed faith in him and brought him on board so i see no problem with the decisions they both made to stay respectively with the organizations that have meant so much to them
0: do you think there's a time frame here that needs to they the others? you know bob nicholson needs to get something put together and done by
1: you know what I don't like time frames. I think when you are when you're on a time frame sometimes you make decisions that are hasty and they're not the right decisions so I think as long as it takes to find the right guy that's how long it should take
0: there we go we're joined right now by Louis DeBress. Louis, have you seen much of uh Santa Jose so far this year in the playoffs
1: <laughs> yeah I've seen a little bit of them <laughs> I'm I, doing the series
0: yes I know that I for the record I still don't think they should be playing in this series but that's a whole other <laughs> story uh but they're up 2-1 against Colorado. And, you know, Colorado played um, exceptionally well in the final four games against Calgary. They're the better team. Um, how would you assess this series to date so far, Louis? This one right now that you're working.
1: Well, I'm just stepping out of a car here. Bob, sorry, give me two seconds. You
0: just you just got yeah. back from the practice, didn't you? From
1: the- We're just coming back from morning skates. So, yeah, my apology. But, yeah, you know what, um, I think it is what it is. I think you've got a young team, in experience, I mean when I say young, the Colorado Avalanche that play a super high-octane game. They're fast, one of the fastest teams, I think, in the league, have one of the most dynamic players in the NHL, in Nathan McKinnon, and they can put you on your heels in stretches of games. But the San Jose Sharks, to me, are a resilient, patient, poised team that are big, they're heavy. And they play a real grinding style, but they play a disciplined poise style. So even when the Avalanche are able to take control of the game, it doesn't really put the Sharks off of their respective game. They're very comfortable in that grind. They're very comfortable in that pressure, and they defend really well. Uh, Martin Jones is standing on his head right now. He's playing, you know, tremendous hockey, which is vital for their for their success. I agree with you. It was the way the, the series ended with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, let's face it, was a fluke. You know, it was a bad call. Yeah. But you have to credit them for taking advantage of that bad call, which they did. They scored four goals in just over four minutes on the power play to take a four three lead. Vegas tied that game, so it went to overtime in a game seven and it went to double overtime. So Vegas had their opportunity to still finish that off. But they found a way to win it, and that's kind of been the message in the room. And I do believe that first-round series for San Jose voted well for them. I think it voted well in the sense that there's veteran guys in that room that have seen a lot of things through playoff hockey over the course of their career, and a lot of those things have been on the negative side most often. To see something like that happen, they look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, we're getting a little long in the tooth. And that was, this is an opportunity that we may never get again. And that's the feeling I get from that San Jose. Program.
0: Yeah, for me, you mentioned Jones. That's part A because goaltending always a big part of it, and he's played great. But the other thing is they've just got the experience to handle the ups and downs. And sometimes younger teams are a little bit more emotional, and older teams sit there, and, and I think they're better able to withstand it. So You know,
1: I will say this about the Avalanche, though, Bob. You know, one thing, just getting back on that, that uh, topic is when they do play their best hockey, when they're rolling and they're skating and they're creating opportunities, they do push the San Jose Sharks back and they put them on their heels. Um, Their high-end game, I believe, is the better between the two teams. The question is, though, it's been in spurts. That's the thing. To be able to continue that for a 60-minute game is almost impossible. They just have to get a little bit better at weathering when they're not playing their high-end game. And, And, you know, listen, the games have been tight. They've been really close even though the scores might not tell a, dif- might tell a different tale. They've been a close, hard-fought games, and I do believe the Avalanche are going to bring their best foot forward in this game tonight, Game 4.
0: Do you think it could end up being a factor if the series continues to go on, given how hard-fought that Vegas-San Jose series was? Maybe because Colorado, even though they had a couple overtime wins, got through Calgary quicker.
1: Yeah, I do. I think we, you know, Peter DeBoer talked about that this morning even a little bit and said that he he noticed that in the third period. The elevation is always, obviously a topic of discussion here in Denver. Um, he felt in the third period the shifts started to get shorter. He just, he thought it was more, as you mentioned before, an experienced team just recognizing that it was getting to be a little bit more of a grind. So shifts get shorter. You dial in your details and you, and you play that sound hockey, which is what they did and they closed it out um but i would like to think that the avalanche have that mentality if they continue to push the pace and they continue to push the games in the regard they're going that you have to think over time that's going to add up as we've talked about that experience comes with age it comes with playing a lot of games and the san Jose sharks are a team that have played a lot of games regular season overtime game seven yeah you know mentality-wise for the Avalanche, they have to have that in their minds, that if they continue to push the pace the way it has been, that it could play an advantage later in the series.
0: We're joined by Louis DeBras. Louis, I know you're watching Boston as well. Are they just worn down like a couple of our top guys? I mean, Jake's had some bumps and bruises along the way, but David Passan, to me, doesn't
1: seem to be the same player. Well, I think along the same lines as San Jose, I I, I don't care what anybody says, that seven-game series against the Leafs is taxing. It took a lot out of them and you know they went up against a team that rolled through the first round pretty easily so you know sometimes early in the series i think game number one boston carried over that momentum from game number seven but as this series has gone on the blue jackets have gotten better every game and i think you're starting to see a little bit of a drop off in boston and they're going to make some shuffling, it looks like, in the, in, in the personnel stepping out. David Backus comes in to maybe add a little size and grit, some, paper, some physicality, some veteran leadership. I mean, listen, this is about digging deep at this time. But much like the San Jose Sharks, who have been able to weather that and have a 2-1 lead in a series, the Boston Bruins are down 2-1 in their series, and they're going to have to find that extra bit of life.
0: Are you surprised Carolina's <laughs> up 3-0 on the Islanders? I know I
1: am. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked.
0: Yeah, I am
1: um you know i mean it's been the playoffs this year it's been the story of of, uh, of stories <laughs> it's been incredible how you, know, you look at it both top seeds from each conference out uh, both wild cards have moved through and you know teams that uh have found their game have just continued to roll and the, the hurricanes i think are the perfect example of that amongst the teams that are remaining they just it's just business as usual for them. They just continue to play their games. They're getting the breaks. They're creating the breaks. They look like a really motivated group that's playing together. Um, and uh, they're up 3-0. Yeah, I'm surprised. I watched the game last night, and I was – you know, I watched it, and I thought the owners were going to push back. They tied it twice, and I thought, okay, this is their moment. And then right when you think they're going to dig in and find a way to go ahead in the game, uh, Justin Williams scores, and it's like, okay know they what they're just finding ways to win
0: louie awesome stuff uh we'll let you go for lunch thanks for joining us here in Oilers. now okay bud take care take care that's Louis de from nhl hockey and rogers it's twelve forty-seven in edmonton you can text us at
1: Learn more at marines.com. 630,
0: 630 on our Heartland Ford text line. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan Escott. We'll step out and be back in a couple minutes' time. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer
1: on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.
0: 1249 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. You can text us at 630-630. Fear the Finn, the San Jose Sharks fan that keeps texting our show. Bob, isn't the kid who won the WHL Player of the Year a draft pick of the San Jose Sharks? Fear the Finn. Yes, uh, Joachim Bleckfeld of the Portland Winterhawks. Out of Grand Prairie, Alberta. Stax comes in saying, Bob, the uh, Avalanche have no adrenaline right now. The Sharks are riding high from Vegas even after the Avs win in San Jose and McKinnon, and the others had no celebration going, no energy. This text comes in, Bob, what are your thoughts on Louis Russ taking a coach or assistant coaching job in the NHL? His understanding of the game would help any team. Uh, well, I'd say right now there's probably not an appetite for it to occur in Edmonton if that was to happen. You can text us at 6.30, 6.30. Justin from the North says, Bob. He's from the North. Uh, what do you think of this package? Lucic with a young prospect like Ethan Bear? Would that be enough for another team to take him off our hands? Uh, probably not. Like, that's a $6 million ad, right? He's got four years left, and it's a buyout-proof contract. I know Jason uh, Gregor wrote a piece today about the fact that the owners should not buy him out. Jared says, Bob, Joe, Joe Pavelski should be uh, fresh by the time the uh, Sharks get back to San Jose. We'll see. That was an ugly incident. Um, again, you can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at orders now. This text comes in from Oilers GM, Bob. Sean Burke's name uh, keeps getting put out there as a possible assistant GM um, in his role in pro scouting. One thing that interests me about Burke is the job he did with goaltenders in Arizona. Mike Smith, Ilya Brzgalov, and Devin Dubnik. We all know Koskinen needs some help from Oilers GM. We've made that point before. I believe I used to call him the goalie whisperer. Uh, he certainly helped jumpstart what was a flagging career for Devin Dumnik, who I think always had the ability and just got beaten down in Edmonton. And again, you can uh, Texas at 630-630. A definite, different perspective in terms of what Sean Burke might bring an organization just because of the accomplishments. This text comes in out of Barhead. Bob, on a Heartland Ford text line, Milan is washed up and he can blow smoke up everybody's butt, but he's all talk. He isn't capable of getting better at this stage in his career. I guess we'll see. I don't think the players think Milan's all talk on the ice. I think they prefer to... I mean, if you're referring to the fact that, you know, will he ever get... I think it's going to be hard-pressed at this stage for Milan to get to be an 18-20-plus to 20 plus goal scorer. I don't think anybody thought that depreciation would be this rapid in terms of the last year and a half. He has to figure that out to be an effective player again in the NHL. But make no mistake, it's incumbent upon him. Rugged from Saskatoon. Bob, is there any chance Dmitri Samarukov passes Evan Bouchard on the depth chart as early as this summer? Well, he was drafted a little earlier, right? He was in the 2017 draft. Bouchard, a late born, was drafted in the 2018. There's lots of people that, like Evan Bouchard in hockey circles. Um, he certainly has offensive instincts, gets pucks through, he's got a good shot. Probably could have played it well. He played seven games, you know, scored a goal in his last game in the NHL, never got another game. That was discussed. I can tell you it was discussed. You, you know, do you give him a couple more? Um Marukoff, if you saw Sam in training camp last year, and I did, and in the rookie tournament, and you saw Bouchard, it was night and day difference. Bouchard was way ahead of him. Samarukov had a tremendous second half of the season in the OHL, absolutely took off, still playing now for Guelph as they go up against Ottawa in the OHL final. Guelph has come back from 3-0 down against London, that's Evan Bouchard's team, and 3-1 down. Uh, in the last series against Saginaw, Ryan McLeod's team, and McLeod again signing yesterday, an ATO and a uh, ELC out of Saint Paul. Bob, have the owners interviewed you for the GM job yet? You seem to have all the answers. You have to wait for the book, sunshine. Again, you can text us at 630-630. Tweet us. Out orders now. Di- uh, JJ says, Bob, I really hope that Brian Lawton is wrong about Dave Tippett. That's the opposite of showing your fan base you've changed and have modernized your thinking. He's a dinosaur from JJ. Dave Tippett's last five years in Arizona he missed the playoffs. He was a pretty good coach before that. And Arizona had significant financial challenges, and I think most of you get that and fundamentally understand that. Brady, uh, Bob, do you know if the Oilers reached out to Lawrence Gilman for an interview? seems like a great fit. Tons of experience with good organizations uh, would bring progressive ideas. Brady, I agree that Lawrence Gilman would bring progressive ideas. What I have heard through the grapevine is Lawrence just got back in with Toronto. Now, Toronto has a deep, deep staff, Right. Remember Rick Olchuk was the assistant GM at Edmonton, then went to Carolina as an assistant GM. He's currently working for the Maple Leafs. So they've got two former NHL assistant GMs off the top of my head working that support Kyle Dubas. Still going to be intrigued to see what happens with Dubas and Mike Babcock and Sheldon Keefe. I just wonder, I'm going to bring Brendan Escott in on this point. We just saw what happened. You know, word got out. Everybody knew the Oilers were looking at Kelly McCrimmon. People believe Seattle was targeting Kelly McCrimmon. And the Vegas Golden Knights promoted Kelly McCrimmon to be GM. Okay? Just wondering whether or not, once the playoffs are done for Toronto Marlies, if Sheldon Keefe, because if you're in Toronto, you're going to get pushed by the Toronto media. Does a similar situation happen with Sheldon Keefe, who has that prior history of Kyle Dubas and Sault Ste. Marie, and does that maybe force a
2: change involving Mike Babcock? What do you think? Could there be something to that? I don't think that you pay Babcock the kind of money that you did for it to, to, to bail out on that plan halfway through the contract. That's the way I look at it. And I, to me, I think it's hard to ignore that that might be part of the long-term plan. But for right now, uh, I think Babcock gets at least next year. And yep. then you, and you see what you got, right? You, you what, happens, after that. what happens if you're going to lose Keefe? Oh, man. That, honestly, that's a tough one. I think you've got to maybe maybe at that point you cut your losses or or do you go to Babcock and say, look, this is what we're facing right now. What do you, what do you think? And uh, somebody of Babcock's stature is going to say, well, you know what? If that's how you feel, I'll, I'll walk away on my own terms, right? I think it's a storyline we're going to have to watch
0: moving forward. Mm-hmm. There's just a little uh, too much going on there with Toronto right now. And, I and again, a guy, I, I think Sheldon,
2: and I know the Toronto media, they're going to be pushing Sheldon Keefe as a head coaching option. They were pushing Dallas Aikens back in the day, too, if I recall correctly. And he, oh, yeah. So, you know, it doesn't always work out exactly the way that One you guy hope. who
0: did not push Dallas Aikens, for the record, was Craig Button. Craig did not think he was ready to be an NHL head coach. I don't think there's any question now. I think Dallas Aiken, you know, given what he experienced, when he, if you read his interview with Eric Stevens in The Athletic, you'd realize that Dallas has come to terms with how it went here in Edmonton. He's got a good handle on it. All right, we're going to step out. 12.58 in Edmonton. Brian Burke coming up. For our friends at Canadian Power Pack at 105, off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.